We'd love to hear from you so we can make our shows even better. Please share five minutes of your time with us at LegalTalkNetwork.com slash survey. You might be asking, hey, what's in it for me? Well, we'll choose five respondents who'll get to pick from three terrific prizes, courtesy of our survey sponsor, Noda, by M&T Bank. Remember, that's LegalTalkNetwork.com slash survey. Before we begin today's show, we'd like to say thank you to our sponsor, Smokeball. Welcome to the AVA Journal Legal Rebels podcast, where we talk to men and women who are remaking the legal profession, changing the way the law is practiced, and setting standards that will guide us into the future. The metaverse is all the rage these days. Users can enter a virtual world where they can interact with people from all parts of the physical world, play games, engage in commerce, and do all kinds of things. Think Ready Player One or for older folks, The Matrix Movies, Total Recall, or even Disclosure. Some law firms have seen the potential of the metaverse, using the platform as a means of marketing themselves, as well as meeting and interacting with clients no matter where they may be physically located. It especially came in handy during the pandemic-related lockdowns when people couldn't leave their houses. One such firm is Grungo Colorulo. In December, the firm set up shop in the virtual world set up by Decentraland. Users can enter the firm's virtual office, where they can interact with the firm's avatar. They can talk to the avatar to see if they might need legal representation and then take down a phone number to call the firm in the, li- in the physical world. If they're already clients, they can arrive for meetings or consultations. Grungo told the ABA Journal in December that he could see the potential of the metaverse to allow his firm to host webinars, CLEs, and other virtual educational opportunities, as well as charity events. My name is Victor Lee, and I'm an assistant managing editor with the ABA Journal. And joining me on today's episode of the ABA Journal Legal Rebels podcast is Richard Grungo, co-founder and name partner at Grungo Colarulo, a personal injury law firm serving New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Welcome to the show, Richard. Hi, Victor. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So tell me a little bit, a little bit about yourself and your background. How long have you been practicing personal injury law? Sure. I'm a trial attorney. I've been practicing for over 25 years in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Uh, I started my uh, career at a large law firm, and then about seven, eight years ago, started my own law firm with my partner, Bill Colarulo. So Grungo Colarulo was founded uh, almost eight years ago. Uh, And since then, my focus has been primarily on catastrophic cases and taking cases to verdict. Gotcha. So how did you come up with the idea to enter the the metaverse? I mean, that must have been, you know, I mean, when someone, I mean, did you come up with the idea or did someone pitch you on it or... What, what did you think when you first you know, heard about it and saw how it worked? Like, I mean, like, what was the thought process that went through? Yeah, so to take it a step back, I've always used technology in my practice. As a trial attorney, I'm a storyteller. Uh, I, I owe it to my clients to tell their story in a way that, that convinces strangers to, to make a difference in their lives. So I've always used technology and I've always been cognizant of the use in technology and storytelling. But, but my ideas for the metaverse came from my children. <laughs> watching my children participate in these worlds, which are versions of the metaverse. There's only one metaverse, and that's important to understand, uh, but there's different versions. And, and within the metaverse, there's things like Minecraft, uh, Fortnite, Roadblox. These are the games my children were playing. And as I watched them play, one, like most parents, I debated as whether or not they were spending too much time on screen. <laughs> but I also realized, Victor, that they were in a sandbox creating but not only were they creating, they were engaging in an economy, an ecosystem. 
And I knew this because my credit card was getting hit. <laughs> so, uh, you know, for $3, I'd get hit for a skin. Well, what the hell's a skin? Well, in, in Fortnite, that's a rare, depending on, you know, the rarity of it is an is a, is a item, a clothing item that you get to wear. And so I, my daughter would routinely ask me if she could buy a limited edition skin. So I watched these digital ecosystems involved, and that's what piqued my interest uh, quite some time ago. Well, I guess it's a good thing that those games are a little bit more creative as opposed to the games that I played growing up, like Mortal Kombat. I mean, I guess Mortal Kombat might have some application for like, you know, the courtroom. But yeah, <laughs> it's a good thing that <laughs> that, that, uh, that that your kids were doing some other things. Um, so I talked a little bit about what you, you know, uh, have been able to use the Metaverse for. If I'm a client of your firm, what are the advantages of using the Metaverse to interact with you instead of just coming to the office or using a tool like Zoom or FaceTime? Yeah, and Victor, before I talk about that specific application, I, can I want to just talk a little bit bigger where the metaverse pick fit, fits in the big picture here, because I think sometimes the distinction gets lost. And, you know, what I'm focused on bigger than just the metaverse is Web 3.0. And what I mean by Web 3.0 is these cluster of technologies, meaning blockchain, NFTs and smart contracts. And yes, the metaverse. All of these things together make up what is Web 3.0. And what I believe is Web 3.0 alters fundamentally uh, the legal industry and how we relate with clients and the services we offer. But specifically with respect to the metaverse, this virtual space, this combination of, uh, of all the technologies to date to provide this immersive experience, I see it first as another channel to connect with those who are already in this space. And so who was in this space? <laughs> the, the kids that I was telling you that I was learning from, you know, years ago, my, you know, Roadblocks, uh, Minecraft and Fortnite, they have been around for many, many years. Mm -hmm. um, and so the Gen Z, which is all my children ranging from 20 down to 12, are already entering the workforce, Gen Z. But Gen Z is comfortable in this space. They're already in the digital space. So I first see the metaverse and having an office in a metaverse is just simply at first providing another channel for people who are already in the space. And at this point, most likely Gen Z. But if you've been paying attention, almost every big brand has entered the space or is contemplating entering the space. So is it more of like a like a business development tool for you as opposed to using it with your clients like you you set up in the metaverse and then that way you know you have some cachet with you know um you know the more technologically inclined people in gen z so that they know okay well this isn't some firm stuck in the stuck in the stone age you know they 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 understand what's going on so is it, is it more for that purpose or or or, or are there other purposes that i'm missing no, of course. So that's one purpose, right? So to connect, right? So it could connect with somebody who's actually looking for legal services or somebody who has a general question. And so within our office in Decentraland, and Decentraland is, you know, again, one platform in the metaverse, like Minecraft or Roblox, but Decentraland, we have an office at negative 36150, and that's the address. It's coordinates. That's the address in Decentraland. But if you went there, there would be links to different parts of our website that may provide answers to questions you have. So communication is part of it as well. So again, another channel to connect, to communicate. But what I foresee is there will be clients who will be technologically inclined to want to meet behind an avatar for maybe serious reasons, because they are a victim of abuse, uh, because they have another sensitive issue in their life they'd rather not disclose at first consultation at a in-person or a Zoom call. 
but maybe they'd like to do it behind an avatar. So, you know, is that, are we far from that? Not as far as people may think, but there will be more people inclined to do business with their avatars than on Zoom or in person, and we will be ready when they are. So then, you know, the next step from there would be meetings in the in this space. We have this space, and the beauty of the space is there are boundless possibilities for creation. So that if our office on this particular day would not suit a conference we'd like to hold, we could change that within as long as it takes our builders to change the office and drop it down and, and have a completely different setup uh, for whatever meeting or conference we're going to have. We plan on doing some charitable events and we are going to transform our office to support the charity. So these are the types of things that, are, you know, that you can do in this digital space because there frankly are no limits to your creativity. Right. And also, I mean, for, for your firm and for your client base, I mean, I would think that, you know, if, if people are suffering from injuries and they might not, you know, be able to leave the house as, as easily as if they were able-bodied or if they, you know, hadn't suffered any harm, like it would come in handy in that sense too. I mean, is that something that, that, that was that one of the reasons why you decided to do this as well? No question. You know, no question that, you know, this space, because it frees you is for people with disabilities or other reasons they cannot uh, get out into the world. This opens up an entire new world for them and in, in their ability to connect. Um, and, and these experiences are going to continue to evolve, you know, and, and frankly, it's my belief that these spaces will replace websites. Every major business, legal or otherwise, will have its own space in the metaverse where, where potential customers or clients can have an immersive experience, not just a 2D website to look at. This is where we're heading. If you follow what the big brands are doing, if you follow what the authorities in the space are saying, uh, this technology, and what I mean again is the Web3 technology, and this includes those things I mentioned, including artificial intelligence, including augmented reality and virtual reality, all of these things will combine to change the face of, of how legal business is conducted and, frankly, every other industry, how they operate in the world. Gotcha. So when it comes to generating business, have you seen any work come in as a result of uh, being in the metaverse or is it still too early in the, in the adoption cycle to really make the determination? Yeah, so I would say candidly, I don't think we had any personal injury clients. That's one of the focuses of our practice, along with employment and nursing. I don't think we have any specific clients come to us from our metaverse presence. But I can tell you, we've had current clients, we've had uh, colleagues, whether it be other attorneys or other professionals, wanting to discuss this, wanting to learn more about it, uh, curious about it. So opening up communication and relationships, and for me, resulted in the in the finding in the finding or, or a creation of another business, uh, LawCity.com, which I found based on my experience and and the hurdles in opening up the Grungo Colorado Law Office. And now LawCity.com, Victor, is a uh, the first legal district in the metaverse where I have built towers and I'm leasing offices to law firms and other legal uh, industry related uh, companies. So you're like a metaverse uh, a landlord then, right? Well, it's a little bit bigger than that. At first, I thought that too, Victor, but we're doing more than just building buildings. I'm building cities and frankly, soon worlds. Um, as I said, I don't. I believe websites will be replaced by these digital worlds that represent who and, and what your brand or your community is. So at first I thought, yeah, I was just a digital landlord. <laughs> and now I realized uh, that, it, that it's much, much more. Gotcha. So we're gonna take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. 
Smokeball is the cloud-based practice management software that lets you run your law firm like a well-tuned business, automatically record your time and activities, easily organize documents and conversations from every matter, complete and send documents quickly with a vast library of preloaded forms, and work efficiently with robust Microsoft Office integrations. Smokeball puts the power of anytime, anywhere at your fingertips. Schedule your free demo today at smokeball.com. As you know, it's important to keep your voice down when you're inside a library, but it would be really annoying to talk like this all the time. So I'm happy to say that even though the APA Journal's Modern Law Library podcast discusses a new book with its author every episode, it doesn't take place inside a library, so we don't whisper on the show. What a silly idea that would be. The Modern Law Library podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Follow along wherever you get your podcasts. Shh! And we're back. Now, let's talk generally about issues relating to the metaverse. Obviously, the law always lags behind technology, and we've already seen how some things that happen in the universe, for instance, intellectual property disputes, as well as you know, some criminal matters like assault, they can fall into kind of a legal gray area. How do you think the law should address things like that? How should the law address gray areas in the metaverse? Yeah, like, like, like with the, like the intellectual property disputes, um, you know, like whenever criminal, like, like, like whenever, if like an avatar gets assaulted by another avatar, so it's things like that. Yeah, so uh, yeah, but the, an avatar being assaulted, I've seen those articles and comments about that. Let me talk bigger picture, though, about how I think the application of the law applies here. So history repeats itself. I, I'm a firm believer in that. All you need to do is look back at the challenges of the internet and the adoption of the internet and standardization and protocols and security and all the things that were required for the adoption of the internet and apply them to the adoption of Web 3.0 and the metaverse and the other technology that falls under the umbrella of Web 3.0. These will be you know, brand new test cases of some of this technology and the law is built to evolve. And if the law isn't in a place where it can evolve, new laws will be created. So, I mean, right now, what I say is the best thing to look is to see what was going on as the internet and social media and those types of, of intellectual property issues began to, to grow for the first time, unseen cases. We will see the same thing here in Web3, but we have some history to look at. And we are already seeing the law change. You know, some people are calling this decentralized law. So that is part of the allure, or at least one of the people claim to be the benefits of blockchain technology is decentralization. And people are saying law is being decentralized like these other areas. And what I mean by that is I recently heard an, I don't practice intellectual property, but I heard an intellectual property professor speak and he called it Instead of intellectual property, he called it decentralized intellectual property, decentralized IP. And he says that now what is happening based on this technology is altering royalty payments and other things in the industry that has never been seen before. So these are new cases that the intellectual property laws are going to have to deal with. One important point, Victor, to comment on, though, is things will happen on these different platforms. And these different platforms you have to think about as different agreements. You're entering into somebody else's private world, almost like when you enter in, when you buy a game or 
I think you had mentioned Mortal Kombat. There's terms when you enter, but this is at a much different level because these are immersive experiences. But when you walk in, you, you've entered into a world where you've agreed to terms. So those terms are going to first govern. That would be one of the first starting points if there is a dispute or some sort of issue. What are the terms of the particular place that you're operating? What did you agree to? But then the second would be, well, what laws apply? What jurisdiction? And again, look to the internet. How did we apply international law and how did we determine jurisdiction and venue in the internet? It will be the same analysis here. One of the challenges will be though, one of, one of the double-edged swords of blockchain is anonymity. The ability to make exchanges with a, a, a number that identifies you in your digital wallet, but, but may not have your name attached. That will present legal challenges, uh, figuring out ownership at times or tracking down fraud. But again, these are not issues that weren't dealt with with the internet. So I think that's the best way I can describe that, Victor. Gotcha. And so um, I guess my other question with regards to, you know, just, um, you know, the metaverse in general is, I mean, it's always a question as to whether or not anything new in tech will, will catch on, right? I mean, people were crazy about Google Glass when it came out and then that flopped. You know, same with like 3D TV and going back to the Newton and, you know, all these other inventions, Betamax, things that like people were crazy about, thought we're going to, we're going to, we're going to change the industry, changed everyone's lives and then just, you know, became footnotes. Uh, so why do you believe that the metaverse is going to be different? Like, why do you think it's going to be successful? Why do you think people are going to start adopting it? First, again, I go back to the technology, you know, the import of blockchain technology cannot be understated. And blockchain technology is literally changing the concept, the definition of ownership. And as a result of that, what is more important in this society, and sometimes unfortunately too important, is ownership. And so because of blockchain's ability to prove ownership in an immutable and transparent fashion, it is quickly altering every single facet of almost every industry, I believe, Every important document will be on the blockchain, and I think most experts will. But, you know, you talked about Newtons and other things that, and devices and, and, and attempts that have failed. And yes, there will be many failures uh, in this space, but the underlying technology will not change. People are distracted, Victor, by cryptocurrency, which again, falls under the umbrella of these cluster of technologies. That is one aspect that is, yes, volatile, is it to some distracting maybe uh, and, and risky? Absolutely, all of those things. However, is it changing economics? 1,000%. Decentralized finance, fintech, these industries are emerging. I read a, a, a study from Duke that generation, I'm sorry, that kindergartens today in this day and age, 65% of them will work in a field that doesn't exist yet. So the bottom line is, is that this technology is not, is no, nobody is disputing uh, this technology exists. The real question is, is how will it impact? But I will tell you this, Victor, and I think it's important to, tell, to say this. Look at the big institutions and what they are talking about. Bank of America calls the metaverse moonshot technology. And what they mean is technology that could change lives and accelerate the impact of global trends. JP Morgan calls this a multi-trillion dollar industry. It goes on and on and on. JP Morgan, like Grungo Colorolo, like LawCity.com, has space in the metaverse. And because you can do anything in the metaverse, they have a tiger walking around their lobby. Outrageous, <laughs> yes. 
To Generation Z, Victor, this is a regular day. There is a new phrase, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it towards the end of our time together. It's called fidgetal. Have you heard that phrase, Victor? I I have not, no. And it's simply meaning that this generation was already born into a place where there is no line between the physical and digital world. Mm. You know, again, I'm Generation X. Generation X was born into a much different spot. Gen Z has already, they don't have this line between the physical and digital world, and they call it fidgetal. It's a a word they're using to describe what's going on. So I am convinced based on, one, my understanding of the technology, two, watching the trends in the space, what the music industry and other industries have done in the space, concerts being thrown, significant ecosystems, economic ecosystems developing, cryptocurrency and those things. Major authorities endorsing this technology and how it will alter the future. So that's why I believe this isn't the next Newton. Now, I will, with one piece of, of warning at least, because of all these new things, you don't know which cryptocurrency or which NFT will be the next big one or which world will be or platform will be the next big one. And I, I liken it to Facebook and MySpace. Right. My, MySpace doesn't exist. Facebook still does. So which one of these types of metaverses will still exist uh, two, five years from now? Time will tell, but they will exist. They will exist. So I mean, you had mentioned that you, know, you can do anything in the, in the metaverse. So what applications do you think would come in handy when it comes to the legal industry, like virtual courts, like virtual law offices and firms? Like, like where do you think the legal industry, I mean, obviously the legal industry is always a slow adopter of technology in general, but I mean, where do you think that it might be headed as far as the metaverse goes? Well, you're right, they're slow movers. I remember being at, at a larger firm and, and years and years ago when they brought in consultants to teach everybody how to create a LinkedIn account, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was there was almost a revolution. I mean, there was uh, you know it was a very difficult to, to get people to even create LinkedIn accounts when people are set in certain ways. Uh, but what I see happening here is that first, and so first again back to the communication and a channel to communicate where another generation is already comfortable and many others are entering the space. But from a uh, marketing perspective. Of course, you want to be where there is another generation that is comfortable and where everyone is entering the space. So from a marketing perspective, again, because I believe that the future people expect an experience when they visit a brand, I believe that websites will be replaced by brands having their own worlds, their own galaxies, their own places where you can go and and lift the hood up and really understand the brand. So we see... What I see is a development of community and branding like never before. It is altering the marketing landscape in the legal industry and others. But this development of community is real. And this development of creators or or collaboration of creators because they can own their digital assets in this space. Again, blockchain um, is is creating a a group uh, of like-minded individuals who want to create and own and collaborate. So... Again, marketing, branding, channels of communication, meeting with clients, also understanding what is coming because for me in the personal injury world, I deal with insurance companies, insurance documents, I deal with medical records. All of these records and all of these important documents will be on the blockchain and I will be already an expert in that area when it becomes commonplace. 
And I guess uh, one thing I wanted to ask you is that, um, so if I'm a lawyer thinking about getting into this space, but I'm a little, you know, concerned about possible ethical implications or possible just applications, you know, in general, like, like what it, what it means, what it entails, how it's going to affect my practice or whatnot, whether or not, you know, it's worth getting into, like, what are some pointers that you would give me? And what are some things that you think that I should be, I would be, I would have to be wary of, careful of, and things like that? Sure. So this is a very new space. What is going on here is like the early stages of the internet. There are scams everywhere. One of the things they call the scams in this space is rug pulls, where people are pretending to sell things that they don't really own. And unless you're familiar with digital wallets and how they work and how to transfer digital assets, you could be easily transferring or paying, you know, real, you know, uh, cryptocurrency that has value for something that doesn't exist. So be careful of the scams. But I think the beginning point, the starting point is first stop and educate yourself about these technologies. Understand these technologies, number one. Number two, ask yourself, does this really apply to my, my space, my profession, my practice? And if it doesn't now, how can it? And this is where you have to be super open-minded. And what I mean by that is most people stop and say, you know, I don't like this digital space. To me, this is ridiculous. I can't believe this. But if they stop and already see what is happening there, they will realize there are boundless opportunities to apply to their firm or their profession because they can test almost anything in this space. They can create what they call digital twins. They can create offices of their dreams and change it at a whim. But within those spaces, they can also create experiences for their clients or potential clients like never before, immersive experiences. And an important misconception is that you need these Oculus glasses to experience the metaverse. That's false. Yes, there are some parts of the metaverse that like to be viewed with Oculus glasses like what Facebook owns, Meta, that space. But most spaces like the space we're in, Decentraland, you can easily access without goggles. And that's what I would say next. You ask what I would suggest firms do or lawyers or people interested, educate themselves. Number two, explore. You can get on to these spaces, the central land, and see what is going on uh, and explore without risk. The third thing I would do is I would, I would quickly, sooner rather than later, create a digital wallet and almost keep nothing in it. A digital wallet is something that is going to be a necessity for everyone, and you might as well figure that out now. And once you create that digital wallet, kind of like a burner wallet, you don't, if you keep nothing in it, you won't risk somehow hitting the wrong button and, and you know, giving up your digital wallet. But this is where these, these economies are going into this space. Um, and so, you know, and the other thing, if it's a law firm or law related industry, call me. I, I've done this with my, with the law firm and I've created this other business, lawcity.com now to help other law firms enter the space or other law-related industries enter the space with the obvious objective is to create a world where consumers can get into a community and experience access to the law like like never before. Gotcha. So I guess that, that kind of leads into my last question. If our listeners want to get in touch with you about anything that they've heard, what's the best way to do that? Well, our Grungo at lawcity.com. 
R-G-R-U-N-G-O at lawcity.com is a great way to get a hold of me. I'm happy to talk to anyone about this space. Uh, there are three real buckets of, of people, people that who get it and believe in it, people who want to know more or are intrigued, and people who want nothing to do with the space. And that's okay uh, for the for the for the for the latter. But the bottom line is, is right now, I'm happy to talk to who, whoever is interested in this. And in you know, the not only the website, I'm sorry, my email, but the the other place they can go to if they want to learn a little bit more about access to the space is lawcity.com. Our website there really lays out how we are providing a an easy entry, low risk entry into this space. And then finally, because of these communities we've talked about earlier, Victor, there's a roadmap that's on our website that is really showing where we're going to be taking this community, which will include a specific NFT drop that will have utility. And the new. T- and I think NFTs will be the, probably the time we talk next in your next podcast, Victor. <laughs> gotcha. Well, thank you for joining us today, Richard. I appreciate it. Yeah, Victor, thanks for your time. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, please go to your favorite app and check out some other titles from Legal Talk Network. In the meantime, I'm Victor Lee, and I'll see you next time on the ABA Journal Legal Rebels podcast. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalRebels.com, LegalTalkNetwork.com, subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find both the ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, or download the free apps from ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.